Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Tuesday, March 22nd. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. I missed yesterday's podcast, which should have been on Monday, because as I was about to sit down and podcast, the tornado sirens went off here in Texas, where I live. Texas is a wonderful place to live and has some really phenomenal qualities to it that are quite unique. But one of the downsides is tornadoes. And so the tornado sirens went off and in a very short period of time, I and my two cats were in a closet sheltering in place. And it, trust me, it's difficult, if not impossible, to do a podcast while you're sheltering in place in a closet with two cats. So here I am a day late, but hopefully not short on content. I was listening earlier in the week to a to a clip from one of Bill Maher's special where he had on Jordan Peterson. If you don't know who Jordan Peterson is, he's a Canadian, he's a clinical psychologist. He wrote a number one bestseller globally called 12 Rules for Life. And I would describe Jordan Peterson who has become very much a cult-like figure to conservative thinkers, just to thinkers in general. I think of Jordan Peterson as someone who thinks deep and thinks wide, meaning his his mind is very um, curious, he's very intelligent, and he has a way of weaving common sense with some of the most profound and challenging intellectual concepts. Having said that, let me go back to the clip I watched. Jordan Peterson was saying, quote, in order to be able to think you have to risk being offensive, end quote. And of course, on a podcast like this, which is all about thinking for yourself, how could I not be fascinated by that statement? In order to be able to think, you have to risk being offensive. In the comedic character that he is, Bill Maher responded with, quote, you're obviously not an American. We love not to think, end quote which was funny in and of itself, and there's probably some truth in that to some degree, or at least it seems that way lately. We Americans don't love to think. But I want to go back to the part of the sentence that has to do with risk being offensive. You know, I moved down south from the Northeast corridor. I grew up in Pennsylvania, lived most of my life there, a brief period, maybe a decade in New Jersey. And then I moved to Texas. And that now is going on eight years ago, actually nine years ago. There's a marked difference here in the South. And one of the first things I noticed and was really taken with in a positive way is how polite everyone is. There is a civility to society here that is virtually unknown or certainly not expressed in in the Northeast. And I loved it initially because everything was thank you and please and everyone's called ma'am regardless of your age. And it was very civil is the only way I can think about it or express it. But over time, 
it took on a nuance that was troubling. And I think the best way to explain that nuance is is an experience I had a couple of weeks ago when I was in a store and I was in line to check out. There was only one register open at first. It was a pet store. There was only one register open and there were about 15 people in line. I stepped out of line. I was, I was maybe fourth or fifth. I stepped out of line and I asked if they could open a second register, which they did. But the line remained singular, forming from that first register back toward the back of the store. So now there were still probably 15 people in line, but as each person moved to the front of that first line, they then went over to the other register. So you got one of two registers, but there still remained a single line. It was moving faster, but it was still crowded. And then a man walked up. He was maybe in his late thirties with his girlfriend or wife, whatever. And he had a bunch of products in his hand. And instead of getting in the long line that all of us had been in before the second register opened, he took a look and he saw one person at the second register and about a whole line of people at the first register. And so he got in line right behind the person who was checking out in the second register. And of course, this was jumping ahead of the 15 people who have been waiting in the other singular line. And so I turned to him. I said, the line is over here. There's a, there's a long line back this way. And he looked at me and he looked at the second register and he said, no, there's no line here. There's a line where you are. And I said, no, no, all of these people, we've all been waiting. And this was the original line. As they've opened the second register, we're feeding now both registers off of this one line. And he looked at me and he said, I don't know who you think you're talking to, but don't talk down to me that way. Please or thank you would have been nice. Please or thank you would have been nice. My response to him was, well, neither please nor thank you are applicable. I'm just trying to explain to you it isn't fair to all these people in the long line who've been waiting. At which point he started to walk away and go back toward the singular line. And as he walked away, he said very loudly, I'm the wrong guy to start with. Don't think you can push me around. And I said, I'm not trying to push you around. And that was the end of it. But here's the point I want to make. In Texas, and I'm assuming this is the way it is across the South, you can do anything and say anything as long as you couch it in the kind of language he was demanding, which is please and thank you. Or the other great expression down here is, well, bless your heart. You can mean to call someone and degrade someone and mock someone, and you can get away with it if you say, well, bless her heart. Because bless her heart is really a cover phrase for I'm saying something really nasty, but I'm sounding really sweet, or I'm sounding really compassionate or whatever it is. The reason that I thought of this and the reason I'm sharing it is because of what Jordan Peterson said, that in order to be able to think, you have to risk being offensive. Down south, I find, and God help me for the people who are listening to this podcast who live in southern states, but I've lived in the northeast and now I live in the south, and I'm here to tell you there are not great deep thinkers in the south. There's a lot of politeness, and the reason is They don't want to offend or they don't want to seem to offend. 
And if you never want to offend, if you never want to risk what Jordan Peters said, which is the risk of being offensive, you're never going to think very deeply. Because if we explore this a little more, to think deeply or to think period, forget deeply, to think you have to, you're, you're already pondering something that obviously has more than one side to it or has some kind of complexity or depth to it, or you wouldn't have to think about it. And if that's the case, then there's someone else who's going to have that other side of it, that other perspective. And so naturally, when you voice your perspective or your thoughts, you're going to risk offending that other person. But it's the only way to have meaningful dialogue and not superficial, polite, but meaningless dialogue. So I think it's a really important point because all of this safe space nonsense, all of this politically correct nonsense, all of this wokeness and cancel culture nonsense is really saying, don't think. Don't think, because if you think, if you in any way offend me, you will be canceled. You will be banned. You will be boycotted. You're not allowed to offend anymore, which means you're not allowed to think for yourself. I think this is the real crime and the real harm of the cancel culture. It is the real harm of mass psychosis. It is the real harm of not thinking for yourself. And that is not thinking. Bill Maher said a few moments later that in the 1990s, when he had his show called Politically Incorrect, people asked him, what is political incorrectness? And his definition was, quote, the elevation of sensitivity over truth, end quote. Well, if that doesn't define the cancel culture, I don't know what does. And that's Bill Maher in the 1990s, the elevation of sensitivity over truth, to which Peterson replied, I think it's more accurately, quote, the elevation of moral posturing about sensitivity over truth. And I think that is even a more precise definition because that's what the cancel culture is all about. Moral posturing, whoever is in charge of the narrative has the moral high ground, whether they really do or they don't. And everyone else is going to be held to that standard, whatever that standard is. And so it's a moral posturing about what offends someone. It's a moral posturing about what racism is. It's a moral posturing about what political issues are hurtful if you stand by them. It's a false narrative about a superficial sensitivity that not only has no depth and in most cases truth to it, it negates anything that doesn't fall within the parameters of the chosen few or those in power or the media elites or the technocrats. There's the danger. The danger lies in a false narrative and consequences for daring to think outside the false narrative because your thinking may, quote, offend someone. Peterson said one last thing I want to share, and it was this, and it was about safe spaces. It was about not offending people. It was about not risking hurting anyone's feelings. He said, quote, if you protect people from everything that is sharp, you make them dull, stupid, and narcissistic, end quote. 
This too is a brilliant statement. If you protect people from everything that is sharp, meaning thoughts that may offend, you make them dull, stupid, and narcissistic. And I think in many ways, that's what we've become. We've become dull, stupid, and narcissistic. One of the better qualities of thinking for yourself is you come to realize that everyone comes to a dispute with their own perspective and with their own baggage. You know, this is something, the first thing they teach you in law school, if you, in your torts class, which is about accidents and um, harm to persons or property, is that two people witness an auto accident, you're going to get three different perspectives of what happened. Because no one sees it the same. Everyone sees it from their, quote, angle. Well, that's true of a physical view, right? There are multiple angles depending on where you're standing, your perspective. But it's also true of non-physical, of non-material things like concepts and ideas and prejudices and biases. We all come with it. We all come with our own perspective and our own baggage. So I was thinking about that when I happened to turn on a podcast on Rumble by Jack, I think his pronunciation of his name is Probosiak. I think he's pretty popular. I think he's a podcaster, but I also think he's a journalist. I'm not certain. Don't hold me to that. But he was making a point about Putin. And I thought it was an interesting point and worth considering if you're a thinking person. And that is that although the Hunter Biden laptop scandal initially was all deemed to be Russian disinformation, it's now turned out that that laptop is real, what's in it is verified, and it presents serious problems for Hunter Biden and ultimately probably for Joe Biden. But the part I want to focus on and what Probosiak focused on is the fact that it was deemed to be Russian information. They were, they, Biden, the media, everybody, the press, everybody was blaming Russia for that information that was allegedly in that laptop and now turns out to be true, which is all information incredibly damaging to Hunter Biden and the Biden family. But we were blaming the Russians, right? Now put yourself in Putin's position. Put yourself on the other side of that. You have an enemy. It's the United States. It has unfolded and is um, looking at a huge story, which is a, a, a potential um, infringement on the voting system in that country, which is an attempt to frame the son of the president, which is an attempt to inter interfere with the election by nature of framing the, son's, the president's son or the candidate's son before the election even took place. So he's being accused, his country is being accused of something he knows he and his countrymen did not do. Now, maybe if at the same time, NATO was stationing troops in Ukraine, if there were U.S. troops or NATO troops near the Russian border, which there were at the time, now you've got troops near your border and you're being accused of something internationally that you did not do, basically some sort of espionage. I guess you could start to think that it was threatening to your existence, that maybe something was being planned to invade your country or to try to take down your government or try to take you out for all we know. So here's Putin looking at it all from his perspective. And I'm not saying it is the sole reason why he invaded Ukraine. 
There are many reasons why he invaded Ukraine, not the least of which is his desire to reconstitute the greater Russia, Mother Russia, and the promptings by Alexander Dugan, who is his right-hand person on, on foreign policy. But just maybe a factor in it all was his perception that his country was at some sort of threat and that now was a good time before something happened for him to take the first steps, for him to be proactive, to be offensive instead of being left in a position of being defensive. In addition, we, the United States and Europe, promised the Ukraine, Bill Clinton promised in not a treaty, but in a a document, an agreement, that if they gave, if Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons, which it did, that we, we would defend it. The West would defend it. Well, they gave up their nuclear weapons and look what happened. They're fighting for their lives now and the West is helping, but barely. So when you look at things from someone else's perspective, or when you think them through from a variety of perspectives, you realize the importance of thinking for yourself because there are multiple angles and multiple issues. And then there are multiple perspectives on all of those multiple angles and issues and the facts that are involved in every single occurrence. We abandoned those people in Ukraine for all tents and purposes. And who suffers for that? Well, the citizens, the Ukrainian people, just like that's who suffers in every country all throughout history. Whenever the, pow- the people in power play three-dimensional chess with the lives of everyone that they are supposed to be protecting, looking out for, and acting in the highest and best interest of their citizens. It's always the rich, it's always the powerful who play these games, and it's always the average person who suffers mainly because those people don't give a damn about the average person. They give a damn about power and profit. And those are Republicans and Democrats alike. And they're in every country. They're not just here in the United States. The powerful and the rich care about the money and the power. That's all they care about. And if there are exceptions to those people, please let me know who they are. So the reason that it's critical that you think for yourself isn't just because Jordan Peterson laid it out that in fear of risking offense, you'll never think for yourself. It's important because not one of those leaders in any of those countries is going to change your future. We will repeat the past as long as we refuse to learn from it. And as long as we think that deceit and manipulation are things that we can turn a blind eye to when we see them in our local leaders, in our state leaders, and in our national leaders. We have to say no at the moment that we see those qualities. We have to vote those people out of office, assuming that the voting system still works and we still have that power. As long as we remain compliant and silent, and afraid to risk offending, nothing will change. You know, for the last couple days, I've been watching the Senate confirmation hearings on Judge Ketanji Jackson Brown because I'm wonky and I like this stuff and I find it interesting. I'm a lawyer. I'm fascinated with the law and this is about the highest application of the law. But everyone comes to this with their own perspective and the Republicans think that it's all dark money that's behind her. And the Democrats think it's all dark money that's been behind the Republican picks for the Supreme Court. 
And the Republicans think that the Democrats are picking from a very short list that were all sanctioned by the radical left. And the Democrats think that the Republicans all picked from a very short list that was sanctioned by the Heritage Foundation and the right. And the irony and the joke and the not so funny part of it is that they're both right. The whole system is corrupted, but it's not the system that's inherently wrong or bad. It's the application of it by humans who are incredibly fallible and who once having lost their way without consequence, continue down a dark and twisted road. It's for you and I to shine a bright light on where they are and say, no longer can we afford to make believe that we haven't almost dug a grave for ourselves in Western civilization. We have to say there are tough decisions to be made, but we're willing to make them. Because to not make them is to move into a level of enslavement that will take generations, not one, not two, maybe three, if at all, to come back from. As Mahatma Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. So think for yourself, think and act for yourself. And if not that, then think and act for the children to come. I'm Carol Gold. Thanks for listening. I'll be back here again tomorrow on Schedule Wednesday. And until then, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.